to another episode of the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. I am your host, Tyler Kusunoki, bringing you the unfiltered truth about applying to college in the 21st century. As always, I'd like to take a second to let everyone know that my DMs are always open. My favorite part about doing this podcast is hearing from you. How are you doing? How are things going? Most of you should have submitted everything if you're seniors. If you're juniors, you are heading into a pretty important stretch, which we'll be talking about in the upcoming weeks. And if you're any other high school or a parent, just hope you're doing well with school, that you had a good break, and that everything's off to a good start. So if there's anything that you would like to know about, please send your questions, concerns, feedback, episode ideas, whatever, it may be directly to me. At the end of the day, this podcast is a community-first forum for achieving better college outcomes. My inbox is forever open at tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. That is tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. All right, today we are, it'll be a little bit of a shorter episode. I did want to make things pretty focused. There has been an article in the New York Times recently that has been making the rounds and it is called The War on the SAT. And it is an article that kind of goes deep into whether or not the SAT, the ACT, these types of standardized testing are whether or not it's good for them to be test optional, whether or not colleges should consider bringing them back. And it is an interesting article in that it really raises a couple of the concerns that I've kind of already mentioned. So it was really interesting to kind of see in the New York Times be like, yep, yep, already covered it kind of. But I wanted to take some time to address it because obviously if it's going to be in the New York Times, it's going to be, there's going to be much more people who are reading it, who are thinking about it, who have questions about it. And so I wanted to address it here. One of the most interesting points that came across was from the impact that reinforcing the mandatory testing policy has had on the schools that have gone through it. So since COVID, obviously, many of the schools, pretty much every school switched to test optional to allow for greater flexibility with the understanding that test centers were closed, there were no digital formats of the test yet, access to the tests was difficult. And the concern was that, well, how is this going to affect the type of class that we can build? How is this going to affect the talent pool? How is this going to affect our ability to properly assess talent? And most schools gave themselves until basically next year, 2025, to gather the data, look for look through a whole, an entire class, right? A class that is coming in in the midst of COVID, a class who has had all of these other different factors affect them. Let's see how a test optional really has affected our ability to see a class all the way through to graduation, and then we'll talk about it. So that will be happening, and I'm sure there will be more data, more impact soon. Several schools have already decided they've seen enough, they know, and they have decided to be permanently test optional. The UCs are all test blind. Many schools are committed to just being test optional forever going forward, and that's great. Every school should have their options, and I do think that the test option the test option option makes it easier for more school more students to consider other really really good schools so more more students to consider different options and for more students to really spend more of their time focused on other things that may be more important to them than the number that they're getting out of 1600 however MIT is going to continue to stand as an interesting example of a school that is trying a bunch of different things. They are one of the few schools that are at the very, very, very tip top where their early action is not restrictive in any way. It's not an early decision. It is not single choice early action. It is simply early action. You apply, 
you can still have all your other options. They are unique in that way. They are one of the first schools to say like legacy is no longer going to be something that we're really going to look at. They have always kind of done move to the beat of their own drum in a lot of ways, which great, right? It's MIT, they probably are allowed to do so. But one of the areas in which they have moved away pretty determinedly from the rest of what the college landscape seems to be doing is that they were one of the first schools to reinstate a test mandatory policy. And this was last year. So they decided that, okay, starting from uh, last year, we're going to say that you must submit a test score as part of your application, whether it be SAT or ACT. The impacts have been interesting. One of the first impacts was that their applications understood, understandably plummeted. They dropped huge, I think it was like 70 to 90%. Like there was a huge dip in number of applications. But according to the article, the New York Times article, one of the things that they have found when reached out to for comment was that actually they, after reinstituting the policy, they were actually able to recruit and build one of the most diverse classes ever. Some of this I'm sure is college facing marketing speak, right? of course, but I think that it speaks to a couple things. And the fact that MIT has been able to notice this is going to communicate something to other schools about their testing policy. And that's kind of what I want to touch on today. Because at the end of the day, the SAT, for better or worse, for all that it is also a measure of income because not everyone can afford to tutoring or for the fees or for the ability to, to leave school or leave whatever you're working on to go take the test. There are all these kind of measures that would say that the SAT, the ACT ultimately are markers of an inequality. And I think those are totally fair. However, the flip side is that it is a standardized metric. And what the article and what I have noted is that one of the things that colleges are really trying to do better, especially in light of ChatGPT, especially in light of a lot of pay-to-play services rising to the front and a lot of inability to assess the authenticity of what a student is presenting, creates a need for there to be a standard when you are filtering through 20,000 applications over the course of like a couple weeks. And so there are some measures that they're starting to put in, right? Some have started to add more interviews. Some have started to follow up. The UC schools are being very, are, are doing a lot of random spot checks of like, hey, you mentioned that you work this job. Can we get a letter from your employer that proves that you've done this job, right? There's all these different pieces that are uh, moving in a pretty clear direction. So one of the ways, and one of the ways in which it can be hard for an admissions officer to properly compare one student to another is their actually most important metric, which is grades and school and class rigor. Right? Those are uniformly generally held as two of the highest standards, most important standards when they are making a decision around a student. You don't need to live in Japan to experience our world-class tutoring and mentorship. At Tokyo Academics, we support thousands of students in over 10 countries, helping them prepare for the SAT, ACT, AP exams, IB, and more. Graduating from top universities like Stanford, Yale, Brown, and UC Berkeley, our tutors will guide you on the path to academic success. Your first step on that path is just a click away. Visit www.tokyoacademics.com 
and complete our contact form to claim your free trial and get started. We will assess your goals and pair you with a world-class tutor to make you a better college applicant. That's www.tokiacademics.com. Let's turn your dreams into reality, one lesson at a time. The problem is that great inflation exists. And not only does great inflation exist on one end of the spectrum, but teachers who just don't believe in the concept of giving an A because no one's perfect, everyone can always improve, is a philosophy that certain teachers will just have, right? And so while, yes, regional admissions officers, part of their job is to know the school, to understand the to understand what each school means, as more and more schools start to have students who are applying for university, the ability for schools, for admissions officers to know that a B is a B is a B is a B, an A is an A is an A is an A is is increasingly difficult. And so I cannot hold a student's 4.0, right, I guess another student's 4.0 and know that both these students worked equally rigorously took equally challenging courses and were able to and are equally capable of being successful in my school. The SAT provides a standard, right? It says everyone took the same test. Everyone took the same assessment of ability. And this is where your abilities are at. And so I do think that schools right now in the midst of really being under a ton more scrutiny, right, regarding their role, regarding their ability to really do their job and build a class that is fair, right? I think that they are, a lot of schools are going to reevaluate their role, maybe not necessarily specifically the SAT and the ACT, but are going to start reevaluating the role of the AP, of, of other form, of IB, of course, right, of other forms of standardized testing uh, because, or those are going to start to hold greater weight because those are standards that I can hold up and say, look, at the very least, I know that when compared, truly compared to an international pool of students, right, to everyone who took the test, right, they are at level, they are capable. The other part is that, it is an overcorrection. I think the significant drop in applicants due to the reinstitution of a mandatory testing policy for some of the very, very top schools, this is huge, right? Because one of the pieces that they are under scrutiny for is their selectivity, right? And how some of that selectivity is some of that selectivity is artificial because they only offer a few seats. They don't increase the number of seats. And because they're such huge schools, everyone's going to apply, right? And so if you your acceptance rate of 6%, in part, it's because every single freaking person wants to get into Harvard, right? And therefore they apply. But part of the reason that they can apply is because there aren't other additional barriers that may limit the pool at least somewhat to students who truly are at a level that they can even have an attempt. Test optional policy means that I can really start to, I can talk myself into my heavily inflated GPA being good enough, that my extracurriculars are good enough, and therefore, I'm going to just, you know, who knows, give it a shot, right? The introduction of test optional policy has introduced a whole new range of shoot your shot students, 
right? Where because this metric that does require a lot of work, that does require a lot of preparation for most students is taken off the board, means that students, a lot of students are just applying because why not? Who knows, right? The application system's a murky black box anyways. It might turn out that they do need a new flautist for their orchestra and then I'm perfect and they'll let me in which then bumps up the numbers, which then lowers the acceptance rate, which colleges are under a lot of scrutiny for at the moment. And so then if I look if for Harvard in particular, if I look across the street and I see, oh, MIT, just by saying you must submit a test score, and of course, MIT is one of the hardest schools to get into, you must submit a test score actually mostly means you must submit a 1550. Well, then of course numbers are going to drop significantly hugely like a huge it's a huge dip in applicants but that allows a right mit to say but we know by and large that every single student at least on this standardized metric qualified and i think that's going to be a very appealing to some of the most competitive universities because they are going to start to need to show while competitiveness certainly has its appeal right 3% is crazy, 6% is crazy, right? And one of the ways to reduce the number of students applying, which therefore increases their acceptance rate, even if by a little, right? But also really allows the admissions committee to have this uniform, okay, this is a bar, right? Which then in turn makes it more clear for students, right? The students who, the students who didn't apply to MIT, right? Also didn't spend six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, twenty, forty 20, 40 hours on all the different essays that are part of MIT's application, right? Because they wanted to shoot their shot, right? Having clear standards, it's kind of why I sometimes like the UK, having clear standards, yes, it makes it makes it, it turns away quite a lot of people. But having clear standards makes it easier for me to make a decision about what I'm really going to dedicate a lot of my time and my resources to putting together an application for. Right? And so for all of these reasons, I do think that for better or worse, I think that some form of a standardized expectation uh, is going to be, start to become increasingly common we don't know what that's going to look like right well that might even just be the interview like it's going to be standard that everyone does an interview or it's going to be standard that everyone does kind of something along those lines i think that they are going to i think that there is going to be a move to at least look a little bit more closely at uh what the uk does in terms of especially for schools at the top of just saying like here is sort of a minimum expectation it's not just gpa right we want to see a or they'll be more clear about their minimum GPA expectations, right? But it's also going to be about like, we would like to see these scores on these tests, right? They do it for the TOEFL, right? Their ability, they're able to define a standard, right? And set, look, here's a number that you need to be above before we will really seriously consider your recommendation, right? Uh, colleges like Dartmouth are starting to toe the line and just move towards test recommended um, where they're being pretty explicit that they at least want to see it. And so I think that 
with all of that, I think that there is going to be a general movement towards identifying some way to make sure that we have a uniform standard that we can set all of our students against, right? And so because while holistic review is valuable, right? And while viewing each student within their context is valuable, the continually ballooning number of applicants and the inability to really know each school is going to make this because colleges at the same time are not necessarily going to invest in admissions officers really getting down on the ground and knowing each school really, 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 really well. I think it's going to be in the next couple of years, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what that does mean though, right? For students who are aiming at the very, very tip top, then if you've been thinking, ah, oh, test optional, great. I think you need to start reconsidering that. At the very least, if you want even a chance at MIT, you have to take the SAT, right? There's that, like, it's otherwise a non-starter. Right? But I think that more schools, especially after 2025, right, there is going to be this reevaluation of, yes, we were able to, more students applied, right? Amazing. But that's really only going to be, more, which is great, but I think a lot of colleges are realizing so many students applied. We don't really have any filter. And we're now spending a lot of our hours, which are crazy and intense and demanding enough, evaluating applications that have no chance, right? That have no chance because colleges, because, because students are saying, hey, screw it, YOLO. Let's just see what we can do. And... Um, that type of application is eight minutes of an of an admissions officer's time, right? When they could be really spending some of that time when, and then you multiply that by a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand, right? Uh, it's a lot of hours that can be spent really debating over the merits of which of these really, really qualified candidates do we can we let in. And that I would say for these top institutions is arguably a more important conversation. So given all of that, I do think that if you're younger, right, I really think it makes sense for you to really be thinking about bringing some sort of standardized test back in. If you're going into the IB system, amazing. If you are in an AP system, start thinking about how many APs you want to be able to take, right, to really demonstrate your capabilities there. And obviously, if really do think about the SAT, think about the ACT, think about the importance of just being able to prove that beyond how good I am at my school, right? Here's how good I am internationally. Here's how good I am against the world. And how important that metric is going to be when that's who your actual competition is. You're not competing against your classmates necessarily, right? A couple of them, sure. But for these top universities, your competition is the rest of the world. And so how can I set a standard? How can I show that on that standard, I'm great? Um, so think about it. I'm, I, I have my own feelings about the SAT, which I'm sure, and standardized testing as just this thing, but, um, and I'm, which I've shared about before. But I think the, the reality right, and ultimately strategy is you have to base it off of what is true at the moment. Right? I think that it is going to be a factor. And I do think it is something that you need to be thinking about and carefully allotting the time required to focus on that if necessary so that you can give yourself every chance 
to move in the direction that you need to. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusinoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on the war on SAT, ACT, standardized testing, etc. Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support, please be sure to follow us and give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Do follow and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. We also do regularly host events in person online. So if you're interested in attending free info sessions with myself and real admissions officers, check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's it for today. Remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.